I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. And good morning to Mayor Tony Harp. Mayor Harp is here in the studio for her regular Mayor Monday checkup, wondering when I'm going to shut up so she can say hello back to me <laughs> and tell us what we are up to in New Haven. Good morning, Mayor Harp. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing? Good. And we have Mercy Quay here. going to be starting her own show. New Haven yeah. Morning Bread journalist on WNHH Next Hour, watching how we do the board. You'll notice Tony is up higher because she speaks a little softly, and we always look to see where the lines go make the bigger than that. So back to the show. We're not going to take calls today, folks. We're here with Facebook Live. Bob has already sent in his own question. He's oh, going my. to the doctor today. We hope he feels better. So you can, you can join the conversation by posting a question on the New Haven Independent Facebook Live page, where we do get questions every week. And thank you, folks, who have already sent in questions. And today's program is made possible in part thanks to support from Bertram Moses PC and from Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. Thanks, Gateway. Thanks, Bertram. And thanks, Mayor Hart, for coming into the studio. It's great to be here. So how was your weekend? It was good. How was yours? It was good. I'm probably not as busy as yours. I really chilled out. Oh, wow. That's good. Was New Haven hopping or what? Oh, there's always something going on in New Haven. Yeah, there's always something going on in New Haven. There's something going on this week at the Capitol that's a big deal, which is that they might finally have a budget. Hallelujah, past the gravy. I mean, it's been since July 1st where the last state in the last city in the state not to have a budget. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Last, sorry, last state in the country not to have a budget. I know. It's, it's a little embarrassing, huh? It is. And also, <laughs> it's a little nerve-wracking. But you don't look too nervous this morning, Mayor Harp, and I think I have a, a, a guess why. You've looked at what the budget, the compromise budget that Republicans, Democrats have put together. You've seen it. I haven't seen it. But you've heard what's in it. I have just some vague notion. That oh, so you don't really know what's in it? No. So, because I heard you were pretty confident that it's not going to be the disaster we thought it was going to be. Well, I'm hoping that it's not going to be the disaster that we thought it I would be. I saw an interview with you. You're saying you thought the cities were going to be pretty much made whole or no? Uh, that's what we're saying. But, you know, honestly, I think that because I heard it, but I haven't seen it. What are you hearing? What, what do you mean? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're in touch with the legislative delegation or the governor's office to find out. What's the governor hasn't seen it. The governor hasn't seen it. So oh, that's true. That's it. So, but your old colleagues there at the Capitol putting this thing together. Also. But they're busy actually working on the, the, um, the language that supports the budget. So um, in all honesty, they've been working all weekend and uh, I haven't really talked to them. But what I understand from our legislative liaison is that the cities, uh, the bigger cities will um, be made whole. What does it mean to be made whole? Got the same amount of um, aid we got last year? Uh, yes, approximately. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Because remember we talked about that's kind of a fungible number. So there's first the educational cost sharing. Right. Which is a big number for schools. And how much did we get last year? What are you expecting this year? I think altogether in educational funding, we got about $125 million last year, but it, it didn't all come from ECS. I, I think that we get a, 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 around 95 or something from ECS, and then there are other funds, priority school districts, our magnet school funds. Um, and so those are, are things that we don't know for sure about, but we're pretty, pretty sure that we'll get educational cost sharing. So you're thinking you're confident on the 95? Yeah. We'll what about the rest? That. Well, you know, we just don't know for sure because the Republican budget, um, the Republican budget didn't fund priority schools, which is um, is important for us. Um, and so um, we'll see whether or not it was funded, if it was reduced. And we get a lot of little grants that don't seem like a lot of money in comparison to how large educational cost sharing is 
but it's really important um, for our, our education department and for some of our other not-for-profits. Can I just stick with uh, education for a second? Sure. So, so we said <laughs> 95 was educational question. I just want to make sure I understand this because I get confused every time we talk about the subject because it's confusing. So of $125 million total for education from the state, 95 of which is educational cost sharing. Right. Of that other $30 million, do you have a sense of how much? Well, I think, it's a, I think there's about 12 that we get from prior... Priority, this is sort of logging back to my appropriation, is from priority schools. So $12 million is a lot of money. And then we also get uh, uh, probably another um, 12 to 15 for, um, for magnet schools. Does it look like that's being cut or are we going to get it? I haven't seen it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, know, I don't what know. What are you hearing? I mean, are you expecting uh, to have I'm thinking we'll be okay for magnet schools. Um, my real concern is priority schools. So what kind of hole do you think we're looking at in our Well, budget? I mean, I, I, to me, a, a $12 million hole is significant. It's two, it's, um, it's basically two mills, mm-hmm. if not uh, more, uh, just in education funding. So the other concern that I have, uh, but we're not talking about it. So No, we can't. So. Yeah, okay. What's your other concern? <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what is your other concern? Uh, the other concern that I have is how the... Uh, the money comes to cities. Um, they, the Republican budget changed the way in which cities were allocated money, and it was no longer a payment in lieu of taxes. And it was just some sort of municipal fund, and I guess they're defining what it would mean to determine how much you get from that fund. I, I have a, a bit of a problem with that, because if it's... L- if it's linked to um, the fact that towns like New Haven that have a lot of not-for-profits, colleges, hospitals, um, and some state property, and it's not linked to those things, but linked to other things, it could harm us in the future. And so I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Uh, part of that, we, 53% of our property is... Uh, held by not-for-profits in our town. Mm-hmm. Um, about 38% of that is Yale University, which is in the Constitution of wow. the state. Yeah. Um, and to not recognize that uh, intentionally and affirmatively in a formula uh, is a problem for me. Okay, so there are two questions there. We have the immediate and the long term, and I didn't know about this. This is very interesting. So this has been an ongoing fight for years, is how do you make cities whole for the amount of property we can't tax th- under state rules, and that's pilot payment limit taxes. And every year we're trying to have a higher percentage reimbursed that they originally promised us 70% of the money would come back. Now we're, now I didn't realize this, Mayor Harp, you're saying that this year it won't be called pilot at all. We'll just every year fight for some kind of municipal yeah, aid. And, 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 you know, I just don't think that that's appropriate. And, uh, and, and so then we're really competing with towns that are well off, the Avons, the Greenwiches of the world, uh, based upon the types of perhaps population, depending on how they read, they write it, and, uh, and and that's not what pilot's about. It's about the fact that we cannot tax our way out of a situation. We can't provide services simply by using the one thing that we can use in Connecticut, and that's property tax. And not to recognize that uh, really harms us. 
in the long term. And let me talk about the short term. What do you see for municipal aid this year? Whatever, if they, so you're saying that this year they're saying municipal aid under the Republican budget wasn't called pilot. You haven't heard whether they're going to reinstitute the pilot system in terms of the compromise budget. What are you hearing in terms of the dollar figure short term for this year? I understand your point that long term you're worried that they're ditching the pilot concept. Well, you know, the only thing that I know for sure about is the educational cost sharing, that we're, we're going to be getting that. I don't know for sure what the dollars are or what pots of money they're in and how we, and how we qualify so for really them. So we really don't know any better than last week, because whether we're no, going to we be really out of this don't. crisis or not. Because we said that the ratings agency said that it's not just New Haven. No. In fact, we've been balancing our budget. But they said that I think it was a third or more of the towns in Connecticut, they're going to drop their bond rating if the state budget doesn't come together sooner, if it's like we're thinking with big cuts in aid. And that then makes it, it's a vicious circle. Then it costs more money for us to borrow, which then puts us into more financial straits. And you were very concerned about that. You said last week that your staff has been meeting with the bond rating agencies to say, look, we've always balanced our budget will again. But is it still true, you're thinking, based on what you know now, that that we're going to have a crisis or not based on this compromise budget? Well, I, I think that the legislature, and I have confidence in them, is working very hard to try to avoid it. Um, a problem um, and avoiding having our towns become um, um, less than credit worthy. So um, I'm thinking that's what they're trying to do. I, I think, though, that the way they do it matters to New Haven. Yeah, and that's very interesting. I had heard this before about yeah. the future of pilot because now we'll go from fighting for our promised share of pilot to having a pilot at all. Yes. Wow. It could be. You know, I'm I'm hoping that they haven't done that, but that's what... I've seen in some of the other budgets, and that troubles me because other towns may have problems, and they may have, but they don't have, but 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 they are not physically uh, prohibited from raising money to solve them. We are, mm-hmm. but we're also free to tell you that you're listening to Dateline <laughs> New Haven and Mayor Monday at WNHH Radio, your home for community radio at one hundred three point five FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. It's Mayor Monday. Mayor Tony Harper's in the studio. We have the Facebook thread back up. Thank you, Harry Joyce, our station manager. We had a technical difficulty. So once again, if you want to send a question in, and I'm sorry that uh, the Facebook Live went kablooey for a minute or two, you can go right to the New Haven Independent Facebook Live page. And already we got a question. Daniel Hunt. Is there, I'm sure there is here. Is there an update on the search for a school superintendent? Mayor Harp, you're on the Board of Ed. We've had the pleasure of just having endless fighting about picking a new school oh, yeah. superintendent. Yeah, if, you, if you like to roust about, come to New Haven. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe last I read that uh, the search committee is going to meet tonight uh, after the board meeting, after a short board meeting to, um, to decide which Connecticut candidates that were not already on the short list will be put on the So the, the update list. is that a search firm has picked six finalists. Tonight you're meeting the search committee to decide to add some additional people who are from Connecticut to be interviewed. And I believe you said, was it November 20th? You hope to have someone chosen? Yes. That's our goal. And I, I just, I always have to point out about fighting, about fighting. It's one of my reasons I'm so glad I never serve on any boards or involved in politics. This weekend, I believe you guys were fighting about whether you would have a search committee meeting tonight after the full board meeting and whether the full boarding would be short enough so people could get home by right, 9 o'clock. Right. That was the big fight this week. Well, congratulations for having the fun of being able to serve on a board. You guys argue <laughs> about those kind of things, Mayor Harp, better you than I. Um, there was an election this past weekend, a very interesting election. 
Ask Me Local 3144, which is the management and professional union of the city. I believe they have almost close to 400 people in it, maybe 3370 or so. You helped found that union when you worked for the city. What did you work the city plan department back in the 70s? I, I actually worked for what is now the Community Services Administration. Oh, what were you doing? I did, um, um, I did social services planning. All right. And what was that in the 70s? That was in, uh, yeah, it was in the late 70s. And, uh, and you helped found a union called Ask Me Local 3144 for professional and management workers, correct? Yep. And now you, as the mayor, you've been <laughs> dealing with them from a different point of view. Yeah. You guys have had a, a bunch of, um, have some tensions and some disagreements. The president of that union for the last eight years was Shirlyn Poindexter. She lost her position this weekend. Mm. There was a there was an election. Were you aware? Or I I knew that there was an election, and I and I and I knew that there were some changes. There was a challenge slate that won eight out of eleven positions. However, the vice president Harold Books kept his, kept his position. But there were a bunch of issues there, some of which we as not members of the union really aren't privy to, which I think are the most important ones in these mm -hmm. elections. There was a, that, as you know, that union has been divided a long time. Every presidential election has been divided by seven to, has been decided by seven to ten votes every other year. Interesting. And, and they vote. I think it was 95% participation or something. Can you imagine if American elections were like that for <laughs> like mayor and stuff and president? But anyway, every it's always this close margin. And it was, again, 10 votes. But this time, the challenge slate won. And their major issue, as I said, is something that we as outsiders really don't have a say in or knowledge of, which is they're saying it wasn't run democratically. They felt that insiders are being protected as opposed to the group at large. So that was one issue. But there were other issues that really were public policy issues that get to the heart of this debates going nationwide about the role of municipal labor unions. And, you know, that the president there was known as a knowledgeable, very hard-charging, confrontational person who fought for every last decision, right? And, and then the other group said that the challenger said that uh, they felt that sometimes you have to think of the good of the city and you have to weigh that in, that you don't fight about every issue, that sometimes you're not right. And the big issue they brought up was when um, an employee stole 500-person uh, private health information mm -hmm. and, a, and a union member went and helped her steal it and hide in the office when they were coming to uh, try to find out who was in that office and was caught on video carrying it out. And the union fought to the death not to have that person disciplined. So that was one example. Another example is that, you know, there have been legitimate disagreements that have two sides to them about how to reclassify members in that union. You guys want to get a lot of people moved out saying that you don't think people who supervise other people should be in the same bargaining unit. You think certain people should be management out of that union. Uh, they have argued that those p positions were add added gradually over the years and worked just fine. Do you see a change given that this other group that wanted to have a more cooperative relationship got elected? Well, I'm hoping that um, that we'll at least be able to to speak to each other, and that it won't be acrimonious every time there's uh, a discussion. And um, so, I'm I'm hoping that we'll we'll see some of that. You know, the the folks in Local 3144 are really important to the city because they are our leaders. Um, they uh, lead units. They lead. Um, they're often deputy. Um, uh, department heads and um, and they they supervise staff and so uh, it's important that they really feel like th that we're all pulling in the same direction. I don't think that was happening much, and I'm I'm hopeful that it will happen in the future. How about on specifics? Like for instance, you have this originally. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. 
the state labor board now is deciding the petition you have of whether to mm-hmm. reclassify a whole bunch of people. It did not start out as a petition. I believe you would start out saying that you think some deputy directors, once they retire or leave the city, those positions would then move into management, and then it became a broader fight. Tell me if that's not a correct version. No, that, of that's not exactly correct. Um, it started out a, a few years before I became mayor. Evidently, there had been a petition. Uh, so when I became mayor, uh, the folks in labor relations basically said that there were a number of positions that were very similar to positions in another union and um, people who didn't, because this is a, a local 3134 is an administrative union and that there were people whose, whose jobs were almost similar to people in another union, 884, which was sort of like a clerical. So once you move up in clerical and you're still in 884, some of the, the positions that were very similar in 884. And so they, they thought that there should be clarification in that um, office. So we discussed it, um, and we thought, I didn't think there would be a lot of those positions, but evidently there are. And so we, we tried to work with the union to see if we could come to some sort of agreement um, about the ones that should stay in and the ones that should go to the other union. And, of course, there was no agreement. And, and then I, I, after sort of going back and forth for about a year, I basically said, look, I'm willing to forget about the whole petition issue what I'm most concerned about is that we have department heads that are in this union. We, ha- you know, most department heads are not. They're what they call exempt employees, and there are about three of them that were in the union. I, I thought that a, a department head and then a deputy that um, would take over as a department head um, probably shouldn't be in the union. They because the be. people, they, you said they shouldn't be representing both the union should represent both the person that person supervising right. and that person and in charge of the overall and department. which positions are we talking about commission equal opportunities um the um disabilities department disabilities and there was one other one i can't remember so as you said there were three deputy director positions you no three direct oh, three, three directors uh department heads oh so you weren't talking about deputy directors uh, w- w- we were talking about all of the deputies and there might have been about 12 of those so after having a discussion with, with, with the president, um, I said, well, look, you know, you make a good point about the deputies. We'll forget about that. Um, but the, and, and I'll forget about, and I said, I will forget about all of the others. We'll just keep it the way it's always been. Um, but the department heads, um, all the department heads except for these three are, are not part of the union, and I don't think they, they should be. And so um, our, the argument from the president was, well, but they have union benefits. And um, if we give them back, um, then they will lose the benefits. So I said, good point. Uh, we will only take them back once those positions are vacated by the people who are in those positions today so that they don't lose um, any benefit that they, any union benefit that they have. And uh, no deal. So I said, okay, then we'll just keep the petition in and we'll let the state decide. It was like 100 positions, right? Uh, yeah, 100 or more. And what's the status? 
Uh, they're still reviewing it. You know, I think there's a case that has to uh, go forward, and um, I believe the city made its case, and the union is in the process of making. And Sherilyn Poindexter, the now former president of the union, said that you were trying to bust the union because she's outspoken and pushes hard for her members, and that's why you're pushing the petition. Oh, not at all. You know, as a matter of fact, there were times when I asked um, the president, "Look, we have someone in your union who's doing more work." Um, we would like to agree with you to give that person a raise. And she ad- absolutely refused. And I think that um, there were a number of cases like that. And so we, we, you know, everything we asked just about, except for very minor things, uh, were things that she was not willing to do, do on behalf th- of her own members, which was a little surprising. Is there a possibility that with the new union leadership that you might come back and offer to drop the petition in return for that director? Well, we'll have to have, we'll have to have that conversation. I don't know where their, I don't know what their position is vis-a-vis these, these, uh, these overall positions, but certainly but if I they expect said to, to have, you, we'll give you those director positions once those people retire with union benefits in return for your job position. We'll go back to what you had on the table before. Would you put it back on the table? Well, you know, I'm not really sure. I just want to know. I want. I want. I want to hear what they have to say, and I'll make the decision then. You know, um, we've been at this for two years, mm-hmm. so um, it will be two years lost. And you know, we now have a a, a labor director who I've got a lot of uh, confidence in. I'm going to have to discuss with him how we move forward. And so. Um, um, I probably won't be doing any direct dealing with the unions, and and uh, our labor director will be doing that. But you know, we'll have the conversation. I'm open. I just want to have uh, a, a reasonably good working relationship. As I said before, they're very important people in our city government, and so I want to hear what they have to say. I haven't I haven't met with these people ever, and uh, I want to hear what my labor director has to say. All right, and what you're hearing us having to say is Mayor Monday. On WNHH Radio, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM. Live streamed at New Haven Independent. Mayor Tony Harper's in the house. And the questions are piling up. Let's get to them. And thank you, for Black 1466, or 1644, excuse me, for that question about the state budget. Patricia Kane says, why is the New Haven Police Department gun range still near a school? What happened to plan to close it two years ago? I believe the new one's built in West Rock and it's going to open soon, right? It's being built if she goes up to the old... Um Armory that is up on Wintergreen. She'll see it being built. So as soon as it's built, it will move. And I believe it's the last season of the range, right? Yeah, and it's going to be an indoor shooting range, and you're not going to be able to hear it uh, on the Anyways, campus. Right. And you know, and I understand people are um, unhappy. That's a, it's 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 very noisy. It's very frightening, and. Um, this is the, the last year that they're going to have to deal with that. And if readers want to go to the New Haven Independent and search the word wintergreen or shooting range in quotes, you will find an in-depth story updating that. They recently had an event where they brought reporters there and showed us what was going on. Um, sh- and, you know, the really cool thing is that uh, some of the work that was done there to sort of do the pilings and the uh, infrastructure was done by the Department of Public Works. So it's... Uh, they're expanding what they do, and we're really proud of that. And You know, I watched that starting in the 90s when Public Works Department, do you remember the mayor Norquist in Milwaukee was having the Public Works Department bid against private contractors mm. for public jobs 
saying, I'm not trying to bust unions. We have to not only get cost control, but be creative about what public agencies do to oh. get the most for the taxpayer budget. So I'm thinking now of the Housing Authority in New Haven, they started these non-for-profit arms that do management and development that are making them financially viable and having sort of adjusting their role as, and so they're not totally at the mercy of federal costs. You see that in the same way? Because I know in your administration, you talked about bringing some of the costs in-house that we were contracting, having the Public Works Department doing that. So first of all, we have the talent in-house to do it. Uh, there was a desire to do it, uh, that kind of work. And so we're not reducing the amount that we contract out, but we are um, able to do more work because we can do some of it in-house. So with the work that we um, used to do as a city, just with the people we contracted with, that work continues. But we are also expanding what we do because we can do a lot of it in-house and in the summertime, and so I'm really proud government. of that. Yes. All right. Pritchard Kane asks, when will we have a civilian review board with subpoena power? Well, you know, the civilian... There's two parts to that question. <laughs> the civilian review board um, is is um, a instrument, maybe, or it's going to be an institution that is developed through ordinance. And uh, so it's in the process of being developed as we speak. 2013, there was a referendum in the city. While back. (laughs) Ordering that the city create a new civilian review board. Right. It's 2017. What's going on? Uh, You know, I think that they want to get it right. The alders, you mean. The board of alders has to craft the ordinance. They're the ones who put that referendum question to the public. That's right. Four years. It takes a while. And then the second part of the question has to do with subpoena power, because then they eventually came up with a proposal that has no subpoena power. I think that they... um, they felt there wasn't state permission. Other people said the Board of Police Commissioners already has the peanut power. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, if, uh, in my discussions with them, the Board of Police Commissioners wants to somehow assign their subpoena power to the Civilian Review Board, that they're happy to do that. But that uh, just granting them civilian review power, they don't believe they have the authority to so do that. So they put this question on a referendum to the city without having done the research about whether there could be subpoena power. Now, why would you point that out, Paul? Because if I were in the <laughs> position, I probably would have made the same mistake. Because when you're a reporter, you get to talk about how stupid everybody looks. But if you were in the position, you'd look just stupid because you can't think of everything. So that's what came up. And I wonder if in retrospect, you want to just make a new kind of board of police commissioners that already has the power and have them be a more independent agency rather than reinvent the wheel. Like, cause the board of police commissioners in 1977 held the hearings, mm-hmm. used the subpoena power that uncovered the illegal wiretap scandal in New Haven, which was huge. And that's what you kind of want a civilian review board to do. What if we turn the police commissioners into a real civilian review board? I think that's actually a, a fantastic idea. And, um, and I, and I don't think it requires actually an ordinance to do. It's just a matter of the board becoming more assertive. But you could have the ordinance reconstitute the, the Board of Police Commissioners somewhat to include not just mayoral appointments, mm-hmm. but the kind of outside points we're talking about. There could be language to urge them to re-envision the role. It could be non-binding language. Could do that. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I th- if, you, if subpoena power is the most important thing, then that's probably what has to be done. Okay, and Bob, even though he couldn't call today, because mm-hmm. he's at the doctor, and Bob, we hope you feel better. You know, you're on the mend. Bob asked about the closing of, I forget the, the chef's name because I don't want to screw it up on the air, but one of our, absolutely precise, one of our, our star chefs in town. Who's that? He had Tali Restaurant, Tali 2, and oh, okay. Zaka Kitchen, right? All three of them are closing. So we already knew about Tali and Orange Street. Tali 2 for 10 years, which 
just to be a little um, provincial here, for us vegetarians, it was one of the best places in town to eat because it wasn't as expensive. The other place was fantastic food. Right I can hear you store. licking your lips. Paul. I know. It's like, <laughs> but this was like big news in the vegetarian <laughs> community. That's like Prasad is the chef. But these are popular restaurants. He has mm -hmm. them all over the states. in Zach Kitchen on, um, on College Street and Tali on Orange Street. They're all closing. So the question people had, Bob had, and some others of our readers, are we going through a winnowing out now of this restaurant explosion? Anna Liffey's the week before. That's been around a long time. Um, is there a, a cycle in which we had tons of restaurants open up in town? We have amazing restaurants in New Haven. Mm -hmm. And that we're now going to see some kind of um, bubble burst? Or is it just the normal waxing and waning? Because you go to a lot of ribbons being cut continually on new restaurants. You know, I, I, I think that... Um in all honesty, there may be some restaurants that have individual problems, and even even like this one, it may have have more to do with the the personal problems that the owners of that restaurant had. But I see restaurants opening in our city all the time. As a matter of fact, I think is it called Jake's, the new steakhouse? Yeah. Um, just opened. My daughter just went. She she said it was really great, um, and we're seeing. Asian, Asian, Turkish. That's true. That's true. Matter of <laughs> fact, you've been to all so, those. So maybe restaurants are a dicey business, yeah. and like we've we just happen to have four that had some long standing and a lot of success. And the roots of actually Mr. Prasad's problem, he says, and I think it's you know some readers did some research to back it up. Um, hold on, I can't see the first two parts of this question. Um, that he. Uh, that he had other restaurants that had tax problems mm. in other parts of the state. Oh, I see. So that that's what that was. And that can happen. You know, my favorite place the closed was the Green Tea House. Oh, my, that was my favorite place, too. <laughs> I love that and place. And I remember I used to love going there. It's the most peaceful place. It was pricey. Yeah, yeah. But boy, did they have amazing food and amazing decor and wonderful loose tea. I know. And, you know, actually... Um, the owner sent me some tea um, not too long ago, so you can still get their tea. But they I'm sure hoping, now. yeah, I'm I'm hoping they'll come back. I love that place. Yeah, that was my favorite place. Too. And you know, actually, I went to 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 Tali too. I I like that too. Yeah. Um, I love Indian food. But you're right; they keep opening up new ones. You know what's interesting to me about Jake's? Isn't that the one on College Street across from Co-op? Yeah. I'm watching that block. Because that's the block of College, Crown, High, and George, mm -hmm. which is the most transformed block in New Haven. Please correct me if, if I'm wrong. Oh, it is. Since you've been mayor. Oh, yeah. That was a down-at-the-heels block. We used to have some stores that went out of business. There was a lot of empty land in the middle of that block. There was Salvation Army. And that has become, I think there are at least four or five major upscale apartment complexes that have opened on three sides of that block. Mm -hmm. and on the fourth, we're getting a boutique hotel. So the question becomes, at what point does retail follow? Because ever since Jane Jacobs used New Haven as an example, what was wrong with 60s urban renewal? We like mixed use. Everything's mixed use. Everything has to have a store under the mm -hmm. apartment. So we love to make that work. But as we found a nice square, that did work, but it took about 15 years to catch up, right? Takes a while. You have to have enough people there, and then eventually it catches up. So on that first floor of, of the first big apartment complex was across from Co-op School, which also is a beautiful transformation of that, mm -hmm. of that block. And now we have apartments filling up. And now they have a bunch of stores. We don't know if they're going to make it. That's the only Webster Bank branch downtown now. And they're trying to get the customers from the 100 College Street Biotech Center across the street. Mm -hmm. They have both the Cajun Place and the Steakhouse opening. What do you see about that test? Do you think that block is ready? Well, one of the things that, that, that was pointed out to me is that we lost our Steakhouse. 
uh, over here on State Street. And uh, and we didn't really have a steakhouse. Is that Carmine's or something? No, what was it called? Uh, I forgot. Oh, we don't have Goodfellas Car- anymore? Carmine's. It's not a steakhouse. The Goodfellas oh. is an Italian restaurant, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and blood and guts while you're eating. Oh, just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're doing no carbs and high protein, so it's actually a good place for you to go, right? <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. And so, yeah, and that's another reason why, you know, a steak place would be really good. But we needed one in town. To just sort of balance out everything. That so what about have. the location? Like people don't visually think of parking, even though there is parking around there. There is. There's a parking garage right there on the corner. But right? we're also a new urban city now, right? So you actually have people living on that block now. You have and, people working at 100 George Street. It's all filled up. And walking, you know, like. Going to school across the street with nighttime performances. You got the Schubert a block away. Right. And, you know, honestly, my daughter said, oh, mom, I just couldn't believe how many people were downtown yeah. on Friday and, and night started, walking around. It starts Wednesday <laughs> and Thursday night. Yeah. Oh, really? uh, that's okay. really been surprising me how busy that area is on Wednesday and Thursday night. It's uh, it's really busy, and I and I think they're going to do well, to be so honest So we know it's happening in New Haven. I always have those kind of like wonky urban planning um, endorphins that go off. Like, now we get to watch when it happens. When does retail follow residential development is jane jake was right because i've always thought that jay jake was had a great point that new haven and other cities were wrong not to do mixed use development mm-hmm. and that they instead um you know knocked down buildings that had stores under where people lived and individual made these decisions about how they invest money and that's what worked you had sidewalk life but then i thought it became its own religion that <laughs> everything that was built had to have the store under the apartment or the office. So like on Winchester Avenue, when we built there, there hasn't been a single storefront that's been viable there for 15 years, mm-hmm. even though you have housing across the street. And But what does work is the carts. Mm-hmm. So I'm always wondering what are the limits of planning? And you know, that's what you studied. That's your thing is planning. You're doing that also on Route 34 West. You're looking at all the parts of that development going across Career High School, which I know you worked very hard on the details of that, what it should look like, what should go in first, will there be a hotel that follows? You know, what, what, you know, you had a social service agency starting with the employees there. Do you have any conclusions now after doing this for so many decades? What, how much you can push a market and how much you follow a market in designing a city? Well, I think that to some extent you, you lead, but you also have to sort of look at what is going on with the rest of the market. One of the things that didn't happen when all of those books were written is that there was no Amazon. And there was no, um, all of the online shopping that occurs. So now what a shopping area that is a physical shopping area has to do is very different than what it had to do in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And then another mistake they made that year was try to imitate suburbs. So we tried to be like suburban shopping malls or generic stores. And then what happened despite those efforts is all sorts of distinctive stores, immigrants opening restaurants, um, and retail that you really only kind of get in New Haven, it's kind of fun to hang out at, right. as opposed to competing with the mass market, mass delivery stores. And so you, and you see more of that. As a matter of fact, I had, um, I went to a ribbon cutting, Civis is... Um, secondhand store on, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, vintage clothing store on Chapel, is that, that wrong? That sounds better than oh, secondhand does? store. Come see, I'm, on not, now. I'm not a shopper. So, so. <laughs> I apply what it really is. Okay. <laughs> And then um, uh, just yesterday, I was down at um, Dwell, which is a is a new store, and it has some very interesting items for your your um, your your house or your your your. Where's that? It's it's on Chapel Street. It's um, right above um, right 
below maybe wave a few uh-huh. a few stores. Okay, it's on that block. And so uh, I think that you're seeing more and more uh, very sort of uh, unique stores. The olive that, oil store didn't work. I know. <laughs> I liked yeah. it, though. Yeah, it's a wonderful olive oil there. Um, but, you know, like the ice cream store is working. That Evidently, I can't eat it, but um, they say it's the Me best either. ice cream around. I mean, I'm hearing that, too. Yeah. And people just, they love it. Even when it's cold outside, they go and they get the ice cream, right? Right, Mercy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, another another development that wasn't anticipated even 10 years ago, five years ago, was Airbnb. Right. Which is upending, or they'd love to say disrupting, the it's lodging industry. Aaron Good asks, I mean, I'm sorry, Tom Breen asks, do you think that the city should regulate Airbnbs? Because now there's a move to do that. It's being studied. This was a big issue in Upper Westville last week. There's an mm-hmm. independent article about it. What's your position on air and regulating Airbnbs? No, I think they should be regulated. And I've been to meetings nationally where they, they embrace regulation. They'd much rather be regulated than be outlawed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so uh, they're, they're, they're willing to be regulated. They're willing to pay some form of tax. Uh, it wouldn't be a local tax because we're not, we only have property tax. Can we get enabling legislation to be able to collect that tax? That would be kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I, we, we should look into that. Um, so what do we want to regulate? Uh, basically, we want to make sure that um, we want to make sure that they're clean, that uh, people are safe, that um, they've had um, our, um, our fire department has gone in to assure safety in those facilities. And we may want to actually license them and so if we uh give them license or permits that would be something that would and it's be kind of it's interesting cause some people buy it buy an apartment just to use it as airbnb which is kind of opposite of the original idea so other people just have a room in their house it helps like you could be someone on a mm-hmm. fixed income it helps you pay the bills and you don't do it every week right like my daughter and her wife in northampton they have a house where they go on they want to use like the upper floor a couple mm-hmm. weeks a month how do you draw the line and when it needs to be regulated and when it's just like you're letting someone stay at your house for a few days a month? Well, if you're getting paid, I think that, um, and, and, and even if you're not, one of the things that we learned from our fire marshal is that um, oftentimes there are violations that many of us have and we don't even know it. So just making sure people are safe, that there's been that kind of investigation. And I believe that if you're renting it, um, and it's, uh, I think that we would really need to think about whether, what kind of permit that you get, if there is a permit, but there should be some, some form of an inspection to make sure that uh, your building is safe and the people that are renting from you will be safe. What about parties and noise? Is that something you deal with regulation? Oh, absolutely. That's a police issue in our town. But how do we do that in terms of Airbnbs? Uh, we would have to regulate them the same way we regulate everybody else. Honestly, you know, you're not supposed to make a uh, noise. And if you do, you know, it, it would, it's, it's a violation. Aaron Good asks, Mayor Harp announced a new bicycle education task force on Saturday at Peabody Museum. Boy, I had no idea about that. Could yes. you explain further about that initiative? Was there a press release on that or something? Um, no, but it, there was a, a um, a, um, is anything with bikes we never miss our readers <laughs> love bikes you say like someone rode a bike and hit a stop sign like everyone wants to read it or like where should uh, bikes ride okay so uh, we were given a bronze designation as a bikeable city and we're, we're going for the gold mm-hmm. and so this um, this group that we're putting together is going to help us identify ways in which we can improve biking in our in our city and uh, 
hopefully make it more likely that we get the gold designation. Now, you're already building these protected bike lanes, the first in the state. That's huge. As someone who rides a bike, I know that I can't think of anything else I'd care more about than that. Are there other things we need to do? Well, I think that we need to look at... Um, we need to look at how bikeable our city is. I mean, certainly we're we're pretty bikeable, but you know we're not bikeable throughout the entire city. And there are certain categories of things that you have to meet. Uh, I'm honestly not a. I, I don't really know exactly all of those. Or and so this group would be looking at those categories and then looking at our our town to determine you know where we are and where we need to go in order to meet those. You know, categories. some of the people on this. Is it Matt Finer um, and Devil's Gear, I'm guessing? Or? Uh, yes, and I think we're going to be setting up um, a um, uh, sort of give and take, and I'll, I'll likely be appointing people. So it's not yet appointed, okay. Yeah. Two people have written in to ask, what about Karen Gilvarg? So for 23 years, she's been the director of City Plan, mm -hmm. which means she has helped look over and guide to approval or debate Every major and minor development project, residential change in neighborhoods. And um, before those 23 years, she was an architect. But before that, she worked in the city back in the 80s under Mayor Delito in, mm -hmm. uh, I believe it was economic development. She's retiring. Yes. Um, how do you feel about that? And what are there, Aaron Good asks, are there plans for a permanent replacement or is it going to be an interim appointment when she leaves? So the, uh, I'm, I'm really sad that she's retiring. And uh, she had mentioned to me a while back that she was considering it and i did you like talk her out of it twice already yeah i begged her not to <laughs> <laughs> so what did you tell this go. time what, what was the last thing what was the last thing you offered her uh, well, like her own refrigerator mini <laughs> fridge or well it wasn't good enough and her family uh put their foot down so she well they have that place they have a place in new orleans they do and yeah. yeah and you know she wanted to spend more time down there in the winter time with them and uh, they thought she was absolutely not going to do it. So they finally just said, you know, like, you're going to do it. We're going to help you write the letter. <laughs> and uh, so she and I talked about it because her, her, her job is very specialized. And so um, Michael Piscatelli, who is a planner by profession, he's our deputy director of economic development or the Economic Development Administration. He is going to be... Uh, the interim um, planning director, while still having some of the responsibilities in economic development, but um, we are. Um, I, I, he's a he's a great guy, and he's going to do a great job. But we're going to miss Karen. And is he going to permanently have the job? No, he. I don't. I don't know whether or not he wants it permanently, uh, but he's going to help us out in the interim while we figure out what we're going to do. Okay. And um, her institutional knowledge, but the fact that she's always just a pleasure to deal with, I was mm -hmm. like how professional she was, is, I mean, she really depersonalizes in a, in a public oh. sphere that has gotten so hyperbolic and antagonistic. She's always just low-key, doesn't make it about herself, has a lot of information. Mm -hmm. We are going to miss that institutional knowledge. Oh, Anytime we are. someone goes who has that kind of, someone who can go to, could just answer a question about what's happened with in the past about when you could take a sign down or not, or mm -hmm. how do you do historical you know, where you go, what we did with the property the last three times. Mm -hmm. Somebody wanted to do something and build apartments somewhere. No, we're going to miss her. She's, she was really a valuable employee and a great leader. But Mike Piscatello has been around the block? He's been around for a while. As a matter of fact, Karen hired him as a planner in her department. 
Okay. And then he sort of moved through the ranks. <laughs> hey, one thing I wanted to ask you is Puerto Rico, since the hurricane, we know mm -hmm. there's been all this talk, a lot of people are coming to, um, going to be living in New Haven. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense yet of how many people have moved here, either come to the schools or how many families? Do you have someone, a point person on that? Sure. Um, we, I just left a, met, a meeting on that, actually. And uh, there are 46 kids in our schools. And you've got to assume that they come with a parent, oftentimes a grandparent. So. And are they from 46 families or 40 families? You know how many families? Uh, you know, I, yeah, it's 46 families, I think. 46 uh, families or 46 kids? Cause no, 46 kids. And I... And, and I I don't know how many families, to be honest with you, but, um, and that wasn't really said in the meetings, but we know that there are. And what was the meeting that. about? Um, well, we, we pulled together our city agencies as well as our uh, local um, non-government agencies that work with people to, um, to be on top of this process of people entering our city from, from Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And... Um, so we're in the process of planning uh, and uh, trying to determine what it is we have, what we don't have, and who we need to access to help. And so uh, Rick Montana is chairing that, but, he's, but Martha Okafor will be working with him from CSA. Um, the uh, Serena uh, Neil San Giorgio from Livable Cities um, will also be working... Um, with them, our health department. Um, but in the meantime, and the Board of Education is, is a critical partner for the core group that will be looking at this. But then um, we're expecting that Junta for Progressive Action will be the place that we will um, refer people to, but we'll be working to build a system of care. Um, also, IRIS will be working um, as sort of like the place that people go to uh, as we begin to try to identify what the challenges are, what we already have. And I'm, I'm really pleased that we are, are moving forward and working very hard on getting materials written and out to people that will help them negotiate living in Connecticut and living specifically in New Haven. The welcome mat's out. It's out. All right. <laughs> And the welcome mat's going to be out in New Hall, but it's going to rain. It's going to rain. So, yes. so the big thing, if you've been reading the Independent, is that you have a new approach. You talked about in the air before: right. clean sweep. You go through a neighborhood one at a time, and try to figure out how to make a big impact and making it fighting blight and just making it a better, safer, cleaner neighborhood. And you were planning Tuesday and Wednesday to have over two dozen people from the city: fire marshal, public works, LCI, which is your anti-blight agency, economic development, cops walking on every block and figuring out, talking to people about their property, looking at which slumlords aren't keeping up their property, looking at which blocks need trees trimmed or lights brighter. You were going to have some specific traffic calming projects you're going to put in, in place, and you were going to talk to people to connect them more to do it on an ongoing basis, and you're testing out a new tool, a mm -hmm. new app called CityStat, which will get all information about a property from all your different inspectors and one-stop where you internally can find it. We've talked about that before. You're going to roll it Tuesday and Wednesday. What happens with the rain? Well, you know, we're going to talk about that uh, today at 3 o'clock. Um, it's going to be tough to be out there for some of our departments, public works, for example, parks department. Uh, they're probably not going to be able to paint, cut trees, do those kinds of things. And so we're going to look to see whether or not we can come up with a rain date.
Yeah, because, you know, the two days it had to rain after nine days of sunshine were going to be the two days you're going out. How unfair is that? But it's such an interesting, just like you talked about when does retail follow residential when you're doing planning. This is going to be such an interesting experiment, in my opinion, and how you concentrate the resources of government to make an impact on a neighborhood. Because I know that um, uh, Mike Cartier, your chief minister, also said you now are looking the spring to replicate in Fairhaven and downtown and one other neighborhood. And uh, I'm sorry, I forget what that is. Um, so uh, good luck with that. And we're going to follow you every step and see how it works out. So we have heat maps um, and we can look at where the crime is across our city. And so we're going to, where we go will be based upon where we're seeing the most crime because what we want to be able to do is to make sure that people are not doing crime in those neighborhoods because we're not keeping them up. That's right. All right. And uh, Anthony's Ocean View is going to be your second home right again this week. Mm-hmm. You got Tuesday night. We have a big event for um, Neighborhood Housing Services. Jim mm-hmm. Paley, I guess he's reaching the end of his career. Mm-hmm. And I hope his health is okay. I know it hasn't been great, but he's had such a big impact on neighborhoods like New Hallville, stabilizing yes. housing. So you're going to be going to a tribute for him. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, uh, Thursday night, you'll be back there for the for the political prom. <laughs> The black and Hispanic uh, alders. Uh, Are you caucus. coming, Paul? You gonna have on your tuxedo? I, 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 unfortunately, uh, it has a big hole. <laughs> I wore it to the job. It was a hand-me-down. I wore it to John Daniels' inauguration. It ripped when I tried <laughs> no. it on this well. But I have a feeling that you'll be there, and Marquisha Bricks will be yeah. there for the independent. Anything else this week we should know about? Uh, you know, I, I look. We're gonna be busy. I know that. Um, and I can't think of anything other than uh, just uh, day-to-day work that we have to do to keep the city running. All right, and we'd love to talk about that on Mayor Monday and WNHH. Thank you for coming today, Mayor Harp. It's always such a pleasure to start the week with you. All right, it's good seeing you, Paul. Thanks to Bertram Moses PC and Gateway Community College for providing support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the CD, A Plea for Peace. Now, this is Paul Bass reminding you that we do know what it feels like to be free. We just have to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH New Haven's home for Community Radio. Mm-hmm.